Welcome to Thrive Lathrop Podcast. Here at our church, we believe that everyone can thrive. Make sure to subscribe to our channel and enjoy this life-changing message. I'm good? Cool. All right. Hey, I'm going to do this one more time. Stand your feet with me. Let's jump right into the message. I know I made you go back and forth. My bad. Don't worry. Once you do this, you're good for a little bit. And we stand. Every time we read the word, we just stand. It's an honor and reverence to the word and to the Bible. And so I'm excited. I'm excited to preach. I'm excited to share. Trying really hard to not get emotional right now because I just dedicated my baby girl. And so I'm just trying to walk through that in my mind mentally. And so I'm like, hey, let's just jump in and let's just, let's just go for it. Okay, here we go. So we're going to the book of Galatians, chapter 5. Got a little bit of Bible to read to you today. Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 to 25. And you can follow me on the screen or you go ahead and look on your phone, your Bible app, whatever the case may be. Here we go. Galatians chapter 5. It says this. It says, but I say, walk by the Spirit. Everybody say walk. Walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. And the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other. They t- to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Verse 18. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Come on now. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual morality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, Fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, and division. Envy, drunkenness, and things like these. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit, everybody say fruit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And if we live by the Spirit, come on now, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for the babies that just got dedicated. Thank you for what you're doing in our church. Thank you for what a powerful Sunday it's been. And I just pray you just speak right now that every heart and mind would be open to this message. And God, it wouldn't come off as condemning or angry. But but Father, I, I pray that it would be something that we would receive with, with love and, God, that you would begin to speak to the, to the deep parts of our heart. And so we just ask that you would move and you would speak. We love you, we thank you. And in Jesus' name, everybody said, amen, amen. Go ahead and have a seat, go ahead and have a seat. So if you're taking notes today, the title of the conversation is we're gonna talk about fruit. And what we're gonna talk about today is this passage that I believe is very popular. I think most of us who grew up in church know this verse or know the fruits of the Spirit necessarily. And I, I said a joke first service. I, I asked, how many people grew up in church? And like almost the whole room raised their hand. And I was like, yep, that makes sense because it's first service. Because how many know like first service people, they tend to go to church early. But I know for me, I didn't grow up in church and I'm a second service type of guy. Let me just be real. You know what I'm saying? Like I like to sleep in and then I like to go to church. I'm just saying. All right. And so popular passage but as we've been on this series called Holy Ghost, where the last few week, months, couple months now, we've been talking about the Holy Spirit. I want, I want to talk to you today about really making the Holy Spirit not just something we discuss on a Sunday, but making it a part of your life. And, and I think that's so key, and I think that's so vital uh, that we have to understand this, that at least what we believe scripturally is that we're not, I'm not interested in, in, in developing a religious concept or a religious idea so that way people can just feel better about themselves. No, I, I believe that there is saving power in a man, and his name is Jesus. And this, this, this man died on the cross and rose again because he loves us. 
And the Bible says that when he rose again to the Father, right, he, he suffered and he died and he, and for me, for you, for us. And then when he went to the Father, he said he would send someone named the Holy Spirit. And that the primary reason for Jesus dying and resurrecting, one of the primary reasons, not just the primary reason, but one of the primary reasons is that God would want a relationship with you and I. And that that relationship would be real and that relationship would be alive today. And so in studying the Holy Spirit and in talking about the Holy Spirit and talking through this series, one of the things that I want to make sure that we're doing, because how many know we've had some pretty fire services on Sunday mornings. We've, we've had services on Sundays where the presence of God is in the room and Holy Spirit's coming in the room and altar calls are filled and all of that's powerful. And I believe that that is so vital and pivotal where we experience who the Holy Spirit is. But I don't want to just experience him on a Sunday. Relationship means I know you every day. And I want to make sure that we as a church aren't manipulating the Holy Spirit to make us feel good, but are actually living with the Spirit of God so that we can have a real relationship each and every day of the week. I don't, I don't want to just be spiritual when I'm in church, if that makes sense. I just believe God died for more than just that. I believe that there's more to this Christian walk, this Christian life, this, this whole idea of Jesus. There's more to the gospel than just spiritual moments that make me feel good. I believe that there has to be something more powerful than that, and I know there is. And so teaching about it is vital. And so today, the importance of walking with the Spirit is what we're going to talk about. The idea that I am in step with the God of the universe. The idea that the God of the universe wants a real, authentic relationship with me and that he can actually spend time with me and I can actually spend time with him. Not because I'm powerful or I'm special. No, no, no. It's actually because he loves me and his heart is for me and he wants to be with me. And with that, we come into the Galatians verse where we begin to understand that Paul is addressing this issue of spiritual fruit. Now, before I get into that, I want to make this statement, which I think will encompass the conversation today, which is this, is that we become who we spend time around. Yeah? I could just like, like, right, I could just hear like my mom or my dad in the back of my head saying, yeah, well, you, you're, you are you hang out with. And, and, and that sounds so cliche and so cheesy, but come on, let's be real. It's so true. Like sometimes things are cheesy, but they're so true. I've shared this story before that um, I... I my wife tells me she knows when I'm hanging out with Pastor Juan a lot. In it. And if you don't know Pastor Juan, Pastor Juan is the guy who sings and plays guitar in the cheetah outfit. <laughs> Leopard. What, what was it? Cheetah, bro. With the gold chain. Like, and and I'm going to be real. Like, he's the only one that can get away with that. Like, I don't, like you don't even notice how many leopard animal printed shirts he has. But they're... There's a lot, and then, right, he's just killing it on stage and leading worship. And so here, here's something, and I've shared this before, but for those that never heard this, um, Pastor Juan is like the coolest guy you'll ever meet, like straight up. Like, he's just so cool, and he's the man. And I love hanging out with Pastor Juan. My son, my son idolizes Pastor Juan. My, my son thinks he's like the coolest guy. You ever, you know when your kid is like, has like a low key like idol in their life, when like my son, when he gets around Pastor Juan, he gets all like weird, and he does this like weird, awkward laugh. He never laughs like that any other time. But around Pastor One, he goes, uh. and I'm like, son, are you okay? He goes, yeah, dad, I'm fine. Leave me alone. Right? He gets embarrassed of me around Juan. And I'm like, bro, because he's the coolest. And, and, and most of the time, listen, if you're in the room and you're thinking you're the coolest in your group, you probably aren't. 
right? Let's just be honest. It's most of the time the coolest people are the ones who don't even know. Sebastian Juan is like one of the coolest dudes ever, right? He's the coolest guy on staff. I know we got a lot of cool guys. He's the coolest. I'm just going to be honest. And Pastor Juan is always hip. I don't even know if it's the right word. I sound really old saying that, I feel. He's always in the inn with whatever slang word there is. So my wife says, yeah, I know you've been hanging out with Juan a lot. Like, this is how you know me and Juan have gotten like in a car ride. Because I come home and I start saying things that Juan says that I never used to say. Right? It's true. It's, and, and Nessa's like, did you hang out with Juan today? And I'm like, no. And she's like, you don't say that word. Or you don't talk like that. And I'm like, yes, I do. I say that word all the time. What are you, what are you talking about? And she's like, no, you don't. You don't ever say that word. Juan says that word. And all of a sudden, you're going to start saying that word. And then just when I start saying it, Juan changes the word. <laughs> so now it's not cool no more. And, I, and I've shared this story. But, but it's true. And, and, and think about it. Like, there's, there's friends you hang out with. There's, right, like, I, I, just from a dude perspective, like, when you hang out with the boys and you start acting and sounding a different way or you hang out with certain f- cousins or certain people. And uh, I, I don't think that's necessarily bad. I, I think that's part of the genetic makeup of how God designed you. The, the problem is, is when you associate and really invest in relationships that are counterintuitive to the gospel of what God's trying to do in your life, what I have learned is relationships can either be the biggest blessing or the greatest damage in your life, right? Relationships can be the thing that brings you up, and relationships can be the thing that brings you down. And what I have learned is that's just relationships with humans, right? That's just relationships with people. Jesus is talking through Paul, right, in a sense. The Holy Spirit is writing through Paul to the book of Galatia. And he's saying, family, Galatian church, church, I need you to prioritize your relationship with God, not just your relationship with other people. And how you know that your relationship with God, how you know that you are walking with the Spirit, how you know that that relationship is becoming a real part of your life, is there's going to be these things called fruits, which will help identify if you're actually spending time with God or not. But before that, he's going to explain the things that you do or I do or we do that when we're not spending time with God, this is what begins to take place. Because the key thing about this relationship with Jesus, which is so pivotal, is that it is a relationship. Therefore, there needs to be time invested in it. And we, family, can spend all our time investing in everything else except for God. And then we wonder why the results we have. And so let me break it down a little bit more. Um, if you could throw up the next slide, that would be great. So, so Paul talks about, right, these nine things. Actually, there's 14 of them in, in Scripture, um, which makes sense because, let's be honest, there's sometimes a lot more bad than there is good at times, right? And so he explains 14 things. I, I, I combined them because some of them were a little bit redundant, and so I wanted to just combine them. And then, and then he does the opposite. And, and this is what Paul does in the book of Galatians. He actually uses the book of Galatians in comparing and contrasting. And so chapter one, for example, before I get to this, let me explain it. I'm gonna get a framework of it. Chapter one, for example, of uh, of the book of Galatians, he he uses himself and Peter as an analogy. Secondly, he uses, right, the promise and the law, right? in, In chapter two, he's talking about the promises of God versus the law of God. Chapter three, he's talking about spiritual slaves or or spiritual sons. And then chapter four, he's talking about Isaac and Ishmael, Abraham's sons, and how one was a blessing and one wasn't a blessing. And then you get to chapter five, and, and you're like, Pastor Chris, why does this matter? Because Paul understands that we as humans comprehend comparing and contrasting. This is what we do. We're really good at taking two things and comparing them. 
Like, for example, I'm a dude, so naturally, I like basketball, just be honest, and all the time in the office, all the guys on staff always argue on who's the GOAT, LeBron James or Michael Jordan. And the truth is, because I'm a preacher and I can't lie, it's absolutely Michael Jordan. And anyone else who believes otherwise needs to probably get saved and get delivered. Right? Like, this is what we do. We, we compare restaurants. We compare parents. You compare your kids. Let's talk about dedication real quick, right? Like, like right? Well, well, my other, like, I don't know about you, but this is what I do. I'm like, well, my, my other one didn't do this. That's been the season of my life with my daughter. She's crazy. Pray for me. She just will, like, go to the edge of the bed and she'll fall off. She don't even care. She'll just risk it all. And there's nothing down there for her. She just wants to see what happens. Like, I'm, 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 you think I'm kidding. I'm not. Like, if I put her on the edge of the stage, she would just fall off. She don't care. And she's tough. Oh, my God, this little girl's tough. My son, when he was a baby, like, anything. Like, if he just, like, got bumped, he would go, uh. But she, she can, like, completely fall off the bed and just be like, uh, and fine. Walk it off. She's a savage. It's probably because her mom's from Stockton. She gets it in her blood. We compare and contrast, right? It's like, because it's easy for us to understand. And so Paul understands this. And so he writes it in comparing and contrasting. The first four chapters, he's using different analogies and different ideas to compare and contrast. What he's ultimately trying to say in chapter five, which is this, is he's saying, Galatian church, are you a church that actually knows the Holy Spirit or are you a church that walks in the flesh? And if you walk in the flesh, this is the result. And if you walk in the spirit, this is the result. And so he talks about it. Sexual morality. If you're going to walk in the flesh, you're going to live in the flesh, and you're going to struggle with sexual immorality, right? And that's all the things that we know about with sexual immorality, homosexuality, sleeping with someone that you're not married with, pornography, all the things. You can think about all of them. I don't need to go through it, but it's in there, right? Sexual immorality, impurity, the idea of having unpure motive and unpure thoughts and always trying to manipulate and lie and cheat. Idolatry, right? This idea of making other things gods instead of who God is. Enmity, which is the spirit of hatred. And, and we've seen that in humanity. That's probably where, where, where the sin of racism comes from. And this idea of enmity and how we, we hate other people or other things. Uh, fits of rage, right? Anger, aggression, dissension. Overcriticalness is what dissension is defined as. And, and then division is this idea of just, you ever meet that person that's always trying to break things apart? They don't know how to build things. They're always just trying to break it apart and mess things up. And, 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 and it, it, again, these are all, Paul describes it in this chapter, fruits of the flesh. And when you read the chapter, we have so focused on fruits of the spirit, right? I talked about growing up in church a little while ago, and maybe you've heard this message. The issue is, is we, we so focus on the fruits of the spirit but Paul needs us to understand the fruits of the flesh first so then we can understand why we need the Holy Spirit to have the fruit of the Spirit in our life. Envy, jealousy, drunkenness, which is addiction, right? And, and, and all these things, every one of us has struggled with. So I don't come up here saying, man, I'm all these things on the right. <laughs> no, that's weird. Right? And then we meet people like holier than thou and righteous. And can I tell you, that's not, that's not the thing. But the only way we're going to get better is we got to identify what's wrong. Paul starts identifying what's wrong. And he's saying, family, Galatian church, if you begin to live your life in the flesh, meaning in your own desires and your own actions and your own motives and your own behaviors, then this is going to be the result of your life. And, and what begins to happen, family, what I have learned, especially for those who are Christians, is we get so upset we're struggling with this 
And we so desperately want this, but the problem is, is we're not willing to walk with the Spirit of God to get this. And the way I kind of put them is, is I kind of put them as opposites, right? Because that's just kind of what makes sense in my brain. Paul begins to, again, the compare and contrasting thing. And so, for example, let's just use enmity, for example, right? And, and this idea that, man, I just struggle with hatred and bitterness. And I'm just, I, just, I just struggle with hating my friend or my family members or coworkers or my boss. Come on now, right? Like, and you just struggle, right? And, but deep hatred. And so this is what we do. We say, okay. The way to combat it is then I need kindness. So I'm just going to be kind to people. And I don't know if you've ever tried to do the opposite of the thing you know you're not supposed to do. When you do it for too long in your own strength, you end up doing the thing you weren't supposed to be doing anyways. Because you can't get there. You can't do it. It's just, it's, 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 you can. It's, it's, it's too difficult, right? You, you ever try to be so nice to someone you ended up just being just as mean? Come on, I know I'm not the only one. Because you're trying to solve a flesh problem with a fleshly solution. And the only way you can solve a flesh problem, a sin problem, is through a spiritual solution which the Holy Spirit has to get involved in. And so the issue, family, which leads me to my point, is the problem is not the fruit, the problem is the seed. I'm gonna say that again. The problem is not the fruit, the problem is the seed. Now go back, go back to the other one. I've been, I've, thank God for the media team. I've been throwing stuff at them all day today. All right, good. So, so this is what we think. We think, okay, I wanna change this fruit, sexual morality. Let's just say that one, because it's on the top. It's not on top on purpose. I just threw it up there, because that's how it landed. Okay, I need to stop doing dumb stuff that are sexually immoral. So then I need self-control. And so I'm just going to bare knuckle it. And I'm just going to be the person that is controlling of self. Right? I just go self-control and self-control and self-control. And then you don't end up having self-control. Because what we're doing is this is what Paul's saying. You're trying to change your fruit by just changing your fruit. The only way you're going to change your fruit is you got to plant another seed. Family, this is what we do. We plant apples. We, we have an apple seed. We plant an apple seed, it grows into this massive apple tree, and then we get mad at God that he didn't make oranges. That's what we do. We, we plant it, and we're like, God, I planted an apple seed. I know it's an apple seed. I know that I'm planting an apple seed. It just grew into an apple tree. That's a beautiful apple tree. I go get my apple, and man, God, I really wanted oranges. You cannot get the fruit that you want unless you plant the seed that you know you need to plant. Paul begins to describe this as walking by the Spirit. He says that when you walk with the Spirit, you are planting spiritual seed. When you walk in the flesh, you are planting fleshly seed. And the result is this. Your issue, family, is not that you're an idolater. Your issue is that you walk in the flesh. The solution isn't kindness, the solution is that you need to walk in the Spirit. And what we began to do is we began to focus so much on the fruit of the problem, we don't ever address the issue and the root of the matter. And unless God allows us to address the root of the matter, nothing's going to begin to change. 
So if I'm a young person, which is something I struggled with, and I struggled, for example, with impurity, this idea that I had impure thoughts and impure motives because of my upbringing, right? Because you end up becoming who you're around, whether we like it or not. That's why dedications, for example, is so powerful because it's a massive spiritual seed in the ground that I'm gonna raise my kids in Jesus. I might not be perfect, but I'm gonna try to do this the way that God called me to. Right, spiritual seed. But if I'm around just all this fleshly stuff, all this stuff that is uh, sinful behavior and all the things that we know that aren't supposed to be right. So growing up, that's what I grew up with uh, in an addict household, growing up with a mom that's an addict and a dad that's an addict and always constantly struggling. And so I really struggled with the idea of impurity. I, I, I lived in the flesh and impurity. Every relationship I had, I considered it a transactional relationship, meaning that I only was friends with you if I can get something. I only was friends with you if you can give me something. Every person I connected to with, I didn't really love them because I wanted to love them. I loved them enough to, just to the point where they can help me. And then once they helped me enough, I said, okay, I'm done. And I went on to the next person. I really struggled with this. And I have friends here at this church that have helped me walk through this. But the solution wasn't that I became a good person and just thought good thoughts. So this was really freeing for me. This is something that really helped me. When I began to realize that if I began to spend time with Holy Spirit, he begins to make me like him instead of who I used to be. Therefore, my relationship with God cannot be a Sunday experience, but a life. And I need to spend more time with him and about him, investing in things through him than I need to on my own so that the results can change. If you're in this room and you're cool with the results on this side, that's really tough. Because I want you to know that there's hope. That the things you struggle with, you don't have to struggle with. This is what we believe in the gospel. We believe that Jesus gives you the power and the grace of God to be free. But it's not by our own strength and it's not by our own merit. It's in him. All we have to do is spend time with him. And the more you begin to spend time with God and trust God and sow into spiritual matters, sow into spiritual things, you begin to reap the fruit of the spirit. Because family... Every, every action is a seed, right? Everything we do, there's consequences. And we know this, like the, from the little thing to the big thing. And, and I don't even mean to over-spiritualize it all, but, but it's true. And this is even a scientific law, right? Cause and effect, reaction and action, right? It's, it's, it's also a spiritual law. Everything we do, every word we say, Every time we respond, we are sowing into something in the future. We are sowing into something in our life. And so if you want to change the fruit of your life, because, because family, Paul says, this is how I will know that you're walking with the Spirit. So if Paul were to come to our church, now let me just talk to my church for a minute. If you're like visiting, you're off the hook on this one, okay? Let me talk to our church for a minute. If Paul were to visit us, right, like an audit, Let's just say Paul came from heaven and he spiritually audited us. And he saw this more than this. That's not, that's, that's not God's fault. That's our fault. Because what we have done is we have decided to live in the flesh instead of the spirit. And the problem, especially in Western Christianity, is that we say we are Christians with our lips, but we have no fruit to show for it. In our life, 
and our family. And so family, our, us as a church, we need to show this. I, again, you, you, we're not going to be perfect, but there should be some of these things in your life. And that's what Paul's beginning to describe. He's saying, I know that you walk with the Spirit. I know that you walk with Jesus. I know that you're growing and developing. I can tell you are sowing into the ground good seed instead of bad seed. Why? Because the fruit of your life is patience when everything is up against you and you feel like you don't know what to do. You're patient and you're calm. You're at peace. You're loving one another. There's a gentleness about you. There's a joy that is not changing your emotions when you're experiencing seeing the, uh, the storm and the chaos of your life. You are faithful even when you don't want to be faithful and you shouldn't be faithful. You are faithful. There's a goodness in you. All these things are not just a super Christian reality. All these things are a necessity in walking with the Spirit of God. They're a byproduct of our relationship with Jesus. They're a byproduct of our relationship with God. In the same manner, listen, in the same manner that your kids are a byproduct of who you are. Whether we like it or not, they are. In some way or another, they are. It's not just your kids that you're leaving behind. What's the fruit of your life? What have you invested in? Which leads me to my last question. Is what are you investing in? And we live in a financial culture where, right, we talk about 401ks and investments and planning. And all that's really, really good. I'm going to tell you right now, you should definitely do that especially if you're like 20, get on that, get on retirement, do what you need to do, right? But, but Jesus is very clear. Jesus is very clear that when you go, whatever you lay in barns, this is what he says in Matthew, whatever, you, whatever treasures you lay in barns or storages, it will just gather dust and the moths will eat it. Meaning there's more to this life than just money and things, we know this. That's why a bunch of people just dedicated their kids today. We know this. What are you going to leave? Like, yeah, you can leave your kids stuff. That's good. But what else are you going to leave? And can I tell you, you can only leave what you invest in. I think God would ask us the question today, what are we investing in? What are you investing in? Are you investing? Go, go back to that one graphic, the list. Is this what we're sowing into? Expecting a different result? For example, man, I, I, I really want joy, God. I, I, I'm so unhappy and I'm so depressed. The problem is, is you want joy and you want the peace of God and the joy of God, but you keep sowing into dissension, which is criticalness. Like you're critical about everything. You, you, you know those people? You know what I'm saying? Like they're critical of their life. They're critical of their husband. They're critical of their wife. They're critical of their job. They're critical of their church. They're critical of the freeway. They're critical, they're, they're critical of everything. They just find things to be critical. And then they're like, and I'm just so unhappy. It's because you keep sowing into dissension. So don't try to become happy. Change the seed. Start sowing into joy. And how do you sow into joy? By walking with the Spirit. How do you walk with the Spirit? You worship, you pray, you meditate, you join a group, you go to church on Sunday, you, you connect with God, you connect with other people about God. You, you, you're making sure that your relationship with God isn't just something you kind of do, but it's actually something that you're integrating in the normal parts of your life so that God's not an outsider looking in, but he's an insider looking out. 
And as you continue to do that, family, again, it's not going to happen overnight. I'm not going to say, like, all of a sudden you, you spend one day with God and all of a sudden you're joyous forever. No, like, there's bad days for sure. But the idea is the more that I spend with Jesus, the more I become like him. And the more that I spend time with the Holy Spirit, which Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit, they're all the same. The more I spend time with the Holy Spirit, the more I become like him. And the more I become like him, the more I begin to look like him. And the more I begin to look like him, maybe that's what the world is looking for. The problem is... We have a lot of Christians who say they have this with their mouth, but their life looks like this. And we can't have that. Because why on earth would someone want to experience the same Jesus and you're still struggling with the same thing they're struggling with? Right? Like, like, if Jesus is the hope of humanity and the gospel is the transforming power of Jesus that saves hearts and minds and heals and sets free, why would I ever want that if you still are bound and stuck? Again, I'm not saying there's not grace, but, but there comes a point where we make a decision, family. Do we want to walk by the Spirit or do we not? And all we got to do is just make the call. And it's not, it's not an emotional call. It's not an altar. There's not a lot of boogers and mascara. No, no, like it's just a, I'm gonna follow Jesus. And I'm going to sow into spiritual things. And spiritual things don't have to be just church stuff. Spiritual things is, I'm gonna pour into my son. I'm gonna love on my daughter. I'm gonna love on my neighbor. I'm going to volunteer for the, for the baseball or the basketball team to love on the people in the city. I'm going to do the extra thing at work when I'm not supposed to just to love on my coworker. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what, right? God can lead you in whatever. But you know, see, that's the thing. Like, I don't need to overexplain this. You know and I know what I'm talking about. You know and I know the things that you're sowing into that you're not supposed to be sowing into. You know the things that you know that you're sowing into that you're putting seed into and that you are harvesting, you are, you are reaping, you are growing a fruit that you do not want. The question I feel like God would ask today is what are you investing in and do you need to change your investment? That's all. What are you investing in? What am I investing in? What are we investing in? Are we investing into something that is leading to fruit of the flesh, where, right? This idea of fleshly things and fleshly desires and, and sinful behavior. Are we sowing into things that are spiritual? Are we sowing into things that begin to bear spiritual fruit? And how we bear spiritual fruit is not in our own strength, not in our own motive, and our own action. The, the key is not by doing these good things. The key is by spending time with God. If I have to spend time with God to have fruit that I know I want. Like, let's just say peace. That's a good one. I think everyone wants peace, right? Because I mean, it's crazy out in these streets. Like, you need peace just to go to Walmart. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Come on, Walmart, that's, that's, a, that's hood. That's hood and a half. You know what I'm, shoot. I need peace to just walk through Walmart. Then that means Christianity can't just be something I visit but it has to be something I walk with. That means God can't just be someone I ask for things when I need it, but I need to have a relationship with it like I would anything else. And therefore then God needs to be a part of my life, not just something I do with my life. Does that make sense? 
the message today is calling us to lifestyle, not just momentary religious activity. Because momentary religious activity never healed anybody. Religious activity never healed anybody. Religious activity never healed a marriage. Religious activity never healed a heart. Religious, no, no, no. But wholehearted devotion to God where God is part of every single part of your life, that something begins to happen. And I'll tell you right now, I've heard stories of God healing marriages, of God bringing kids back home, of addiction being broken, of lives being transformed, of depression leaving, of anxiety going, of God physically healing, spiritually, mentally, emotionally healing the man or woman that is so desperate in need of God and it's not just this thing we feel it's not a cognitive release that science would try to describe no no this is a real thing there are people in this room that can testify that without God they wouldn't be here and they wouldn't be able to keep going but I know for a fact that when we begin to allow Jesus a part of not just some of our life but all of our life things begin to happen and things begin to change why because I am investing in something that I want the result in And with Jesus, with the Holy Spirit, your investment will never go bad. And so I ask again, what are you investing in? Put that slide up one more time. What are you investing in? What is it? Only you can decide that, and only you can determine if that is where you need to be investing, or if God needs to begin to change your mind and change your heart and begin to work on you on the deep things of God. So things gonna begin to shift. So things gonna begin to change. And that God can begin to transform you from the inside out. Do me a favor, stand your feet with me. Thank you again for tuning into our podcast. For more info, please visit our website at thrivelathrop.com. Have an amazing rest of your week.